0: Welcome back to the Dad Adventures Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Seth Benoff, and this is episode number eight. For anyone that is new to our show, the Dad Adventures Podcast is well scheduled to be a bi-weekly podcast about our lives as dads and some of the things that we've learned along the way. Way back on our last episode, we talked about our family traditions and the impending moth apocalypse that was facing Albuquerque and a vast majority of the state of New Mexico. Um, I think we'll, we'll, we are finally. Again, by the way, we'll touch on that. All right, yeah, I was gonna say I think we might, but uh, um, you know, we continue to live our lives. Things are still changing. Uh, some places are going back to work. Uh, the state is opening up again. After, well, as we still go through the coronavirus outbreak. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're still here. We're still going. We're both. We're both working. Um, so let me. A lot of stuff is just going on. Like it's been. Crazy year it's gotten even crazier this week and we're gonna talk about that but before we do Jacob uh, my partner Jacob Terrell let's get you in here uh, how's your week been how have you guys been doing I know you mentioned you guys went out to eat for the first time uh,
1: the other night yeah we uh, last night it was we actually went and sat out at a restaurant for the first time since middle of March beginning early March whenever it was um, and it uh, in fact I think we went to dinner the day before everything shut down, if I'm remembering correctly. So um, it, it was nice. It was needed. It was, uh, we we got some adult time because the boys were still down here in Valencia County with the babysitter. And um, we were able to just go and enjoy our time together and, and have some in-depth talks. And uh, like I think most people around the country um, are talking about right now, it was it was around the uh, protests and um black lives matter movement and george floyd's death and everything going on there um so yeah it it was it was a good time even if it was some serious talk and uh you know we got a lot off our chest and i feel like um it's it's going to be it's going to be a while before we're back to normal in any sense of the word normal um whether it's for covid or the protests and um and uh it's going to be it's going to be an interesting i mean look at the year the year that we have had it's 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 insane it just it is it just is it's it doesn't make any sense whatsoever um and i i know that the memes and the posts from almost every January is like, Oh, goodbye, 20, whatever. Um, you were terrible, blah, 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 blah. And, and then every February you usually see posts like 2020 is going to be my year. And then a picture of a train wreck or something like that. And never have those ring more true than, than this year, I think, because uh, we are six, not even through six months of it. And, um, it's been just uh a whirlwind of things
0: <clears throat> yeah without a doubt i mean this year has just been absolutely crazy i mean i can't think of a, a of a time at least in my lifetime where the or where the world has basically just gone crazy like this mm-hmm. you know
1: yeah yeah it's it's definitely uh, been turned upside down in a lot of different ways, and and um. So, we we talked about it before we got on here, um, how we should address everything that's going on, particularly this week, and um, it, it's it's a weird subject for me and you to talk about. Being white males in America uh, gives us undoubtedly gives us some benefits that, um, a lot of other people do not have. And, um, and it's, it's not our place to necessarily come on here and say, um, how black people feel right now and how they, uh, should feel or do feel or anything like that. Like I follow a comedian, um, named Dustin Nickerson and he had a, he had a tweet that was half joke, half serious, um, talking about how it never fails when he posts something about Black Lives Matter, that a white person comes in the comment section and tells him what Black Lives Matter is. Um, so I'm not here to do that. I'm not here to um, tell you how anybody should feel, but I'm, I'm going to tell you how I feel about it and and we can kind of go from there and uh my heart hurts um for for the people of color in this country um i i I will tell you that my heart has changed tunes a lot since ferguson which i think was in 2017 and we had some similar things going on where there was some protests that turned to riots that turned to violence and um i thought it was ridiculous Um, that's not to say that I don't think the violence and the riots and the looting and the destruction of property isn't ridiculous now, because it is. Um, but I guess I just understand the people that are doing it for the reason of they don't know what else to do to be heard. I understand where they're coming from. That's, there are going to be, there's always going to be people that are just out to get theirs. So they, they are using this as an excuse to loot stores and get stuff that they want. They're using it as an excuse to break property just to break property. Um, They're not out there with a real reason or a real heart for any cause whatsoever. Um, But for the people that are out there protesting and for the people that are out there and they just don't know what else to do so they break stuff and they're just fed up with stuff and um, it doesn't make it where it's okay, it doesn't make it where they should be praised or anything like that, Um, and they should be punished for it if they are caught doing something like that. Um, But punished does not mean murdered like it did in the case of George Floyd uh, that caused all this, um, that created all this, that started all of this. Um, And that is something that um, I get really frustrated with, uh, especially on social media. And in the news is when, when they blow up and they get so outraged over the rioting and the looting and the violence that has come from this, instead of getting outraged over what caused it in the first place. And if you take away the fact that from all the things that I have seen, uh, the cop that had his knee on George Floyd's neck has had issues in the past. And shouldn't have been there in the first place, should have never been with, had, should have never had the opportunity to put his knee on George Floyd's neck. Um, and as long as what I have seen is true, and what I have heard is true, and what I have researched is true, and that he has a past of violence and stuff like that, there's really no way that you can dispute the fact that he should have never been there, and that's part of what is broken in the system. When it comes to police, Um, I know several police officers, I respect the police officers, I um, have no ill will towards police officers, Uh, you'll never see me flip a cop off, you'll never see me talk bad about a cop that is just doing their job, but when you have cops that continually get in trouble, and then just get recycled to the the next police department, and the next police department, and the next police department, and still keep jobs, that's an issue, as well as several other things that um, need to be addressed when it comes to uh, police unions and stuff like that. Um, With that being said, uh, change is needed in some way, shape or form. And I think that much has to be clear, and kind of a universal truth amongst everybody. Um, even the people that get outraged over the riots and the looting and the violence that is caused from the protests, um, or that has stemmed from the protests, not necessarily caused, um, even those people should agree that there needs to be some kind of change in some systems for our judicial and police systems. Uh, and it, like I said, to begin this thing, it breaks my heart and it really, really gets me going uh, when I see posts from people—now, we haven't had our religious subject here, a topic on here before, but I, it, it's been talked about. Um, I am a churchgoer. Um, I know Seth is a churchgoer. Um, we believe in God. And what really frustrates me is when we see—when I see fellow Christians that um, I believe are Christians. I believe they believe in God. I believe they have a relationship with God. I believe they love God. Um, I believe God has done wonderful things in their life. And when they come out and they scream bloody murder about the riots and the looting and the protesting and all this stuff, but they are silent on what has caused all of it. That is when I get really fired up and get really, really upset and my heart hurts the most. Um, so I'll finish with, uh, I just want people to realize that change is needed in some way, shape or form. And just because a small percentage of people out there are taking advantage of the situation by looting, looting and rioting and destroying property does not change the fact that change is needed. And there is a systematic problem in our nation when it comes to minorities.
0: I think that's something that you and I can definitely both agree on. Um, you know, the judicial system, the police system, uh, they definitely don't work. and They definitely don't favor minorities. Um, they really don't. And they do typically tend to favor, you know, those of, of white and uh, that are white and those that are privileged. And you and I are both white ma- males in our 30s. Um, you know, we are not affluent by any means. Um, but I would, I would be, I would venture to guess that if you or I were in the same situation as Mr. Floyd was, that it would have been handled vastly differently. No doubt. Um, No doubt. and, and And it's sad, you know, I mean, where I grew up, uh, I grew up in Georgia and my, and while I didn't necessarily see a lot of racism, in and around, you know, my households and my community and my school, there are definitely people that I know that were, as, as they were called, you know, good old boys mm-hmm. and, you know, that I know, you know, out, outside of public venue probably were racist to an extent or, or expressed racist thoughts and ideas. And in this day and age, it's not okay it
1: it not only in this day and age, but it, it wasn't it wasn't okay back then either. Not back then when you were little, but back when racism was alive and thriving throughout the South, especially, it wasn't okay back then and it's not okay now. Uh, I did have a question for you though. Um, was your school and neighborhood fairly diverse when it comes to a, a colored population or was it a part of the neighborhood, a part of the estate that was more White and still not as not, not by definition segregated, but just by the lay of the land, it happened to be that way.
0: Um, so the neighborhood that I lived in specifically, I th- I want to say there were maybe two houses mm-hmm. where, the, where, where, where there were black families who didn't have any, uh, any Hispanic families in the neighborhood, at least not at that time. Uh, I mean, it was, it's not necessarily a large neighborhood, but probably somewhere in the neighborhood of know 25 30 houses mm-hmm. um, as far as my school goes I want to say at least the high school that I went to I mean it was probably 25 to 30 33 percent black or you so, know or
1: minority so significantly well when it comes to just a black population significantly a higher percentage than high schools and schools here by far. yeah oh yeah definitely um, by far so I, yeah. I when I when, when I was talking to you I don't know if it was pre-recording or post-recording I don't remember but um uh I completely glossed over the fact that you did not grow up here um so you actually have a little bit of a different outlook than I do having me myself growing up here and you know having it's not a bad thing or a good thing it's just the way things were I've had very limited interactions with black or anybody, but Hispanic and, and native. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's been white and Hispanic and native and that's it for me. Um, so I haven't really had that many interactions, personal interactions, um, with them, which it's weird to me, uh, because I don't know since I haven't been in situations where I'm around anybody of color really to speak of it's, It's hard for me to even imagine what what it's like back east or up in Minneapolis or anywhere like that. It's and it and it's been part of my problem through all of this trying to come up with my own thoughts that aren't dictated by what everybody else is saying and just do enough independent research to come up with stuff that I'm like, okay, yeah, I I get it now. And I still don't I'm still not happy with where I'm at or with my understanding of things. I still want to dig deeper. And I do a little more research every day, uh, throughout the last week or so. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you definitely can come at it a little bit differently than I can. So, so I'm, I'm glad we yeah, have a little bit of, a little bit of difference there.
0: Yeah, it was different. Like I didn't really have interactions with any part of the Hispanic community, um, as a kid, uh, when I was in school or anything like that. Uh, there was definitely more, you know, it was mostly white and black, um, in my neighborhoods and communities, uh, where I grew up, you know, just outside of Atlanta. So yeah, there was a, and as you went closer into Atlanta, there was definitely even more diverse, um, at that point, but also given, you know, my family background, um, my, my cousin married a black girl. They have four kids, all of whom are darker complexion. Um, and honestly, I haven't spoken to any of them during all of this. I don't know um, how they feel about it, what their thoughts are on it. They are younger than me. I think the the oldest one is around twenty four at this point. I don't remember. Um, I think it would be. I would be interested to hear what they think about it. I mean, what? Have, I mean, have you had any opportunity to speak to anyone that might be? Um, dealing with this differently than you or I would as,
1: as white males? Um, a little bit. I've, uh, I've talked to, um, somebody from our church and then, um, my, my wife's uncle who has adopted is black. Um, and I haven't reached out to him directly this week. I've talked to him about stuff in the past. Um, uh, but I've seen a lot of his posts and how he feels and, and, um, So that is, that's one thing that I've been trying to do is, is, you know, reaching out and, and not only reaching out, but also consuming, um, media, whether it's a podcast or, or something like that, that have people, um, have people of color on there that are trying to help whites and people not of color understand what's going on. Um, so one, um. I'm going to plug two podcasts real quick that if you get a chance um, to go listen to them, one of them was, uh, it's called Annie and Eddie Keep Talking. It's Annie F. Downs and Eddie Cougholds. Uh, they talk twice a week. Usually they just, they just come on. They talk about random stuff. But this week they had, um, I wasn't fully prepared with names, but they had a lady on who founded a company called Be The Bridge, which basically Be The Bridge is... They... It's a it, it's for... For the most part, from what I understand, it's for people not of color to try to understand what's going on in black communities and stuff like that. And um, she comes on, and they just kind of have a conversation about... You know what can we do as a white male and a white female to help understand and help the black community out through the through everything that's going on, and it's just a really good conversation. It talks about if you, especially since we have we have kids, um, and assuming since this podcast is called the Dead Ventures Podcast, that if you're listening, you have kids, um, and one thing that it especially for us here in New Mexico, um, you know, my boy has probably only seen a handful of black people in his life. He's only three, granted, but, um, and they're not different than us on the inside. They're still made in God's image, but they do look different, and they it is something that a three-year-old notices. And one thing that they talk about um, in the, in that podcast is, you know, especially at, with younger kids is to just have toys and books and shows and movies that show diversity um, and reinforce the fact that it's, the diversity is not a bad thing. It's not a scary thing. It's not a wrong thing. People just come in all colors and shapes and sizes and, and everything like that. And to just encourage them to not see the colors as anything other than human beings. Um, and and the, way sh- they, the way they talk about it is it's, it's really, really was really informative for me to hear and really good for me to hear. And um, it's definitely another, I'm going to listen, re-listen to that episode and um, re-listen to it with my wife. And we're going to talk kind of how we can try to do whatever we can to to make sure our kids don't, not don't see color, but see color and recognize that they're just people and to hear them out and to love them, uh, just like anybody else. And then the other podcast that I listen to, um, we've talked about the ringer on here before, I believe, and Bill Simmons, who's, um, kind of known as the pod father and he's been podcasting for 14 years or something like that. Uh, he had a gentleman, um, gentleman on that has, uh, now that we're on here and I don't have my notes. I, uh, I don't remember exactly the main foundation that he has, but he, what I liked about this podcast was he talked about a new website that they put out, um, called <clears throat> eight. Oh, I had it here a minute ago. Um, this is great podcasting. I know. I apologize, but uh, I I don't want to mess this up. So, eight can't. So the letter eight can't wait. and what it is is these guys have gone around and got a lot of data uh, from the one hundred largest cities in America and their police departments, and kind of look at eight different things um, that if these things are implemented in the police uh, in the police department it drastically reduces the number of police involved deaths um whether that's being shot or being strangled or any kind of force used um and it's it includes on duty and off duty um officers and they've compiled just all of this stuff and if they if these eight things um are implemented into a police force the number of deaths just produce, gets reduced drastically um it says on their front page it says that the data proves that uh the eight policies that they mention can decrease police violence by 72 percent which is a huge percentage um and then it's, it's kind of a cool little website it's got the eight things and then you can actually select cities, and Albuquerque is on there, and you can go to it, and it has the eight things that they talk about, and it has if that police force implements those eight things. And I'm um, I will. I am happy to say that Albuquerque has at least six of the, eights, uh, the eight things, which um, is more than a lot of other places, I can say. I've scrolled through here a little bit. And, um, I'd go into all of them, but we're not, we do two hour podcasts a lot and we, we try to keep it not two hours. So I'm not going to go into them, but it is a site that I I highly recommend going to. Um, once again, it's eight, the letter eight, um, or the number eight, the number eight can't wait.org. And, um, Seth, if you could put that a link to that in the show notes, that would be great. Um, so those two things, just kind of, um, of course, it's it's people that I respect uh, their platform, their podcast, uh, whether it's F. Downs and Bill, or since it's F. Downs and Bill Simmons, um, there are people that um, I recognize as as pretty good people. Um, I'm not gonna say perfect people because nobody's perfect, but pretty good people, and they they use their platform to try to give everybody information that you can actually take home and use and implement, uh, whether it's about this or anything really. Um, So it, those are two podcasts that, uh, that you should look at, look at if you get a chance. In fact, I'll, I'll see if I can send you links to both of those and you can put those in the the links to the episodes themselves in the show notes. Um, And I think that's what we, everybody, not, not white, not black. Uh, cause I'm sure that there's, there's black people out there that aren't fully informed either. Um, so everybody just needs to get informed, um, using reliable resources and, and getting their information from places that are trustworthy and, and are, are not trying to bend to any specific agenda and, and just learn that way. And, then I'm, I'm a one one last thing um, that I saw today that uh, really really spoke to me as a Christian was um, uh, my wife's uncle shared a post from a Christian rapper named KB, and uh, it it said, uh, "How do I know when I've turned a politician into an idol?" And the answer was when you look at the war on racism as a right versus left battle instead of a kingdom of God versus a kingdom of darkness battle, and that is exactly what I feel just worded a thousand times better than anything that I could do. Um, so whether whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're white or black, whether you're rich or poor, um, we can't we can't look at this as right versus left when it comes to uh, racism. It It is just a soulful thing that needs to be taken care of and dealt with in some way, shape or form, not for political agendas, but just for people being treated like people because whatever color your skin is, Whatever sex you are, whatever your sexual orientation is, whatever color you are, whatever anything, you're people. You have a soul. Um, you have a soul. You have you. We just need to love everybody, um, and and try to take care of everybody. And that sounds a little hippie-ish, I know, but uh, it's true. You just you can't. There's no place for hate. Um, if you have hate in your heart, then uh, that's where we run into situations like, like we're in now.
0: Yeah, there's some, uh, some great suggestions. We'll definitely get those uh, in the show notes for anyone that wants to check those out. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of stuff that we see today in the world gets far too politicized um i mean and that's not what this is this is not this should not be a political issue this is a human rights issue this is a human lives matter issue mm-hmm. um and, you know i saw something today that said um until black lives matter all lives don't matter i yeah. don't think that's entirely accurate like all lives matter no matter what the situation is it's just complete mm-hmm. it's just really unfortunate that Incidents such as these continue to happen, you know, to the black community or the Hispanic Mm -hmm. community. Um, Yeah. Something has to be done. Um, You know, you want to protest what's going on by all means go out and protest, you know, make your voice heard, Uh, get involved, find a local community group, find something within uh, the state, you know, find a, a national organization that you support that, wants to help break down these barriers and improve the system. Mm -hmm. You know, you could even go out and you start being politically active, get involved with the campaign, start your own campaign to do this. There's a right way and a wrong way to go about making your voice be heard. You know, peaceful protests. You know, there was a comment I heard, and I I don't know the quote, I I may have it wrong, but um, basically, you know, if you're, if you're rioting, it doesn't make the situation any better. Mm-hmm. You know, And I know some people say that peaceful protests don't either, but think about what you're doing. If you're one of those folks that goes out, you know, and has been rioting and being a part of it, you're only damaging your own hometown, mm-hmm. the city that you live in, your neighbors, your friends, you know, people that you may not even, you, you might not even personally know them, but someone you know may know them. Like there were storefronts damaged here in town, and that's that's not the right way to go about doing this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You and- legally have the right to go out and protest. You do. Mm-hmm. But when you're crossing the line, you're and you're breaking the law, you're rioting and looting and damaging property, that's not okay. Like there's
1: a better way. And and like I mentioned before, I'm not I, I think the majority of people that are doing that are only doing it. For themselves, for selfish reasons, they're not actually there to protest the cause um, that that actually needs protest. And I could be wrong, I don't know people's souls. I can't judge people's hearts and and their how they feel and and what they're going through. Um, that's not it's not my job to do. that's not it's impossible to do because you can't be inside somebody's head. Um, so, I, I I think I've gotten everything that I can get out on that. Um, if you've got any last thoughts. Yeah. No? All right. Mm-hmm. Um, so bottom line, uh, change is needed. Don't break stuff. Don't hurt innocent people at these protests. Um, um, it, it's, it's pointless and, uh, and it's it's just the it's just hurting hurting not only the business owners and stuff like that, but it, it even though it shouldn't, it the people that are like on the fence about um, if there's really a problem or not, they might be like, yeah, I think there's really a problem, and then the, as soon as you do that, um, they discredit everything that happened before it rightly or wrongly and and it, it just doesn't help things so um that's that's basically where we're at i think we we can all agree that some change is needed and and um with the rest of the episode uh we just try to like to go back to uh, our normal our normal pattern we'll finish talking about some stuff that we've uh had in our personal lives through the last few weeks since we recorded last, and then uh, we've got a topic for you here in a few minutes. And um, uh, we we did feel like we needed to address everything that happened, though. And and I feel very strongly and very passionately about uh, what's going on. Um, so so we we got that taken care of. We um, will continue to it'll still continue to be prominent in our lives, obviously, and. And we might be talking about it the next time we come on in a couple of weeks, um, but for now we will uh, we'll set that aside. We'll try to give you guys something to distract you from it because we uh, we know that um, distractions uh, in moderation, anyways, uh, can be a good thing. So we'd like to give you thirty minutes to an hour here of uh, just a normal conversation, normal normal episode where. We can joke around and talk about some funny stuff that's happened, maybe, and some serious stuff that's happened that's not uh, related to this topic, and and um, and go from there. So, with that being said, other than um, other than the last week or so, what have you guys been up to over there?
0: Well, since the last time we talked, um, we actually celebrated a birthday. Uh, our youngest, Logan, turned five. Uh, and it was a really weird birthday, yeah, uh, with everything that's going on, like at the beginning of the year, you know, we probably would have planned something completely different for his birthday, you know, go somewhere like a trampoline park or, you know, our typically we do a cookout or a, a party at a park or something, the city, one of the city parks, but, um, couldn't do that this year, obviously. So my wife went out on social media and, and, uh, had been seeing these videos of people getting parades for their birthdays. And so she organized one of those and, you know, some, uh, some friends and friends of friends, friends of coworkers you know, came by and uh, drove by the house and every car that came by, they threw a little baggie. One of our friends from church um, prepared little baggies full of Legos for the cars that drove by to throw out the Logan. Um, yeah. It was basically one of those uh, just, create uh, giant tubs it's not like a specific set
1: yeah
0: mm. so yeah they just threw out a whole bunch of legos and you know a bag with like uh, instruction book you have like 50 different things in it and Nice. so yeah i did that um i didn't mention i don't know i don't remember mentioning on the last part on the last episode we did but i built a play structure for the kids
1: no, swing set
0: slides nice. yeah that was basically did that, pretty much did it all by myself um yeah, so that's in the backyard now. It's uh it was one of those like pre pre uh, pre cut kits, basically just following the directions put together. So I didn't actually have to cut or anything. Um that was that was interesting to, to put together. Uh never done anything like that before, so I did that. And let's see what else. I mean, really just uh, it's just been a lot of the same. We took advantage uh this past weekend of the nice weather and cleaned out the garage. Um, yeah, we cleaned out, cleaned out the garage and actually built uh, some shelves in there. Went out to Home Depot and grabbed some lumber and did that. So that was interesting. Another uh, success, uh, successful thing that we were able to do together. And so our, our garage is significantly more organized now nice. <laughs> than it was before. Yeah, and in the process, discovered that, uh, well... Um went out and had to buy inner tubes for bikes for the kids. Cause at least one of them had uh had a flat tube. Couldn't ever, couldn't find the hole on it, but it was just it was leaking somewhere. So I went and bought a new tube and learned how to replace a two tu- inner tube and a bike tire. Yeah. So uh, a lot of adulting recently. And, and you're still working from home? Like yeah. You told me earlier. Um, my company started sending people back this week uh, I'm am not among the first group of folks I don't know when i'm going back um, I'm certainly hoping that it's not until after school starts um that way I mean I, we don't even know what's going to happen with the schools yet like yeah, exactly they have a plan but who knows what's going to happen come august so yeah it's just it, you know, it's, it's still, it's still a weird time to be living, you know? Um, yeah, it's, yeah, like I said, we've been taking advantage of some stuff around the house, bought some grass seed, some mulch, and so we're gonna, we, we threw down four bags of mulch in our front yard, in a little flower bed that we've got, planted a, 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 a what's it called, a red tip photinia that we're not sure if it's taking yet or not. Um, so it doesn't look good, but <laughs> we had, I th- we had rain, what, two days this week. Yeah. In the so. past two, two days of rain in the past, past, uh, week. And we haven't had rain for what, a month and a half, two months or pretty yeah, somewhere. It's no really yeah. It's no significant amount of rainfall. So
1: it's been nice. It's it actually a little bit cooler. So speaking of rain, um, we went golfing on Sunday. And uh, got caught. It was me and my wife and both the boys in a golf cart. And uh, we got caught towards the farthest point away from the clubhouse. And a pretty pretty good rainstorm. Pretty good. It was coming down pretty hard down here. And uh, there was a guy playing the adjacent hole to us that uh, was just standing there. Um, leaning up against a tree. He had a couple guys on a cart with him, but they took off. So I was like, well, I'm going to go ask him if he's got a cart uh, um, coming back for him or if he's going to wait it out or if he's going to just walk here in a little bit or what the deal is. So I ran over there in the rain and um, asked him. He said he was going to wait it out. I offered to take my family back and drop them off and come back and get them. And he said it was fine. So I was like, all right. So so I went running back across uh, the course back to the cart wherever the family was and um, the, the green is kind of raised a little bit so it kind of slopes down once you get off the green And my first step off of the green onto that hill my foot just slipped out from under me uh, completely and I, I, I'm pretty sure I was parallel to the ground about 3 feet off of the ground for a split second and then just landed square on my back and my butt. And then, <laughs> and then I proceeded to slide on my back another 10 feet or so to the cart path. Um, and then I had to get up and go back that 10 feet and grab my glasses and my hat that had fallen off um, all while my uh, family was sitting there looking at me. <laughs> so that was... That was a highlight of this last weekend um and we've done a few other things we went to the cabin uh, my family's got a cabin down by daddle um so we went down there for uh three day well i think we left uh saturday no we left it was uh, for memorial day uh we left sunday after church and stayed one night and came back monday um, and that was really nice to get out and get away from, from the hustle and bustle of the city, and and enjoy our time just the four of us. Um, so we had a good time out there, and uh, we do have some news on the moving front. Uh, we are going down this weekend to uh, look at houses and and kind of finalize, uh, hopefully finalize where we're going to actually be moving into, and we will be leaving on July. 10th 11th and 12th so that weekend after the fourth uh we are officially moving down there that weekend uh and it's not going to change this time uh originally originally um yesterday was supposed to be my last day of work and then we were going to be moving this weekend but with covid and everything like that we um ended up postponing it for a few reasons and now it's just time to go ahead and make the jump and figure it out uh Figure it out from there. So, so we have had some some other major things going on, uh, other than COVID and uh, protests and everything like that. So, it's been an eventful last few weeks. We we me and you tried to get together and record last week, and I think it was Tuesday, the first night we were going to record. I uh, got the kids to bed, texted you that I was ready, um, and I have. The thing is, is, I have my phone set at 9.30. It goes into sleep mode, basically. Yeah. Um, because that's my bedtime, according to my phone uh, that I set in there. And um, so anything that happens after that, if I'm not actively looking at my phone, it doesn't make a noise or a sound or anything like that. And we set out, me and my wife sat out here till about, I think it was like 9.40 when I text you. And we sat out here till about... 10 15 10 30 and then i went to bed and laid there for another 10 15 minutes um the weird part was, is I was i was on my phone for a lot of that uh social media playing a game stuff like that and i never saw anything come through And then i woke up the next morning and i saw a missed skype call from you about six <laughs> minutes after i had texted you that i was ready and i was like no yeah. uh, i felt so bad because uh really wanted to record last week and in hindsight um You know, if we record last week, that means we don't record this week. That means we can't talk about uh, the social injustices that are going on. So, so it worked out okay. Um, And I got to tell the great golf story of me falling on my back. Yeah, you go, sliding 10 feet. So none of that would have happened (laughs) had I answered that Skype call last week. Um, Yeah,
0: always a bright head to everything. And I I think as part of why we want to do this is like, you know, we we call it the dad ventures. I mean, (laughs) that's exactly what we're dealing with, you know, and. You know, we're dealing with life and changes and, you know, being, being dads. And, and, uh, you know, I, I think this kind of transitions us into our topic this week. You know, I asked you before we set, before we were initially going to, like you mentioned, initially going to record last week, what you want to talk about this, about from this episode. You brought up the idea of, of relationships with our dads and, you know, Mm -hmm. our dads are, and even our granddads are where we learned a lot of our behaviors, a lot of our parenting style, um, you know a lot of how we are how we perceive we are expected to be as, as men as as mm-hmm. fathers and as husbands and so you know when when you brought that idea up i, I my initial thought was okay that I th- could go so many different directions and i feel like it could be like in, at least a, like a two part episode and okay. i think you know given the time we've already put in to tonight, I think we're we're gonna end up doing that. You know, this will be part one and part two we'll do uh here and you know and on our on our next one, and which will be a great lead in to Father's Day, which is coming up in just a matter of weeks. And so I guess let, let's just dive right into it. Like, so we've mentioned before, you know, in past episodes, you and I are both children of divorce. You know, our parents are split up and have remarried. Um, and so I, you know, why don't we? T- I I'll, let me propose this to you. Why don't we take this week? We'll focus mainly on, on like you and your dad and your family, and, and your stepdad and, and what your relationships are like with them and how that's helped make you into who you are today. Um. So, and, and you know, the whole divorce idea. We we we'll, we definitely want to dive. We mentioned we want we want to dive into that, like deeper on a, on a different episode, but. You know, Mm -hmm. I know for both and for both of our lives, both of our stories, it's going to play a huge role in this. Mm So, I mean, how old were you when your parents first got divorced? And like after that, how much was your dad around?
1: So I want to fast forward a little bit to uh, the present, uh, because what made me choose this topic was uh, the day after we recorded last, uh, my mother, my mom came to me. And said that her and my stepdad are getting a divorce. Um, oh man! So uh, that is, it's something that um, it it's hit me it's hit me in waves here and there. Um, now, um, we'll we'll kind of get to my relationship with my stepdad, um, who I uh, I for the most part uh, called dad now. Um, we'll get to my relationship with him uh, here in a in a little bit, but that is everything that I'm about to say for my relationship with my real fat with my real dad and my stepdad and everything like that. Um, it is going to be painted with a brush of divorce, not once but twice now. Um, and and we can I'll get into that uh, here in a, a little bit more in a few minutes. Um, but back to the original question uh, my biological parents divorced when I was about one so it wasn't it wasn't the worst case scenario uh, where you have you know I, I I don't know what the worst age uh, could possibly be but I do know that one was a great age for it to happen because I don't remember anything um, mm-hmm. I don't remember anything about the Break up. I don't remember anything about the, the anything that was nasty about it. I don't remember any of that. And to this day, I still don't know if it was nasty or amicable for the most part, or what it was. Um, but we they divorced when I was one, and then I want to say he was basically absent till I was about five or six, somewhere in there, um, and then I started going a, a little bit here and a little bit there uh and it got to a point where at the time at one point I was living down in Truth or Consequences and my biological dad lived in Tularosa so it's not that far of a drive we would meet in Crucis, which was like an hour for each of us wasn't too bad at all um and I was going down basically for spring break every year um for a week during Christmas break usually the week uh between Christmas and New Year's, celebrate New Year's down there. Um, and then I go for two, two or three week to three week long stints during the summer. Um, and my my biological dad um, has a lot of flaws. Um, he let me down a lot. He um would say he'd be there and he wasn't uh, and, and several other things that um, were just not great and I thank him for that in a way because it made me never want to put my kids through that uh, as, as much as I can we're always going to let our kids down at some point or another, there's always going to be something that they want from us that they can't get. Um, I just don't want my kids to repetitively feel like I'm letting them down. Um, but he he taught me a lot. Uh, he did. He he um, he was a ranch hand for a lot a lot of the time. Um, so a lot of what I know about horses and cattle and the cattle industry and, um, living off the land and stuff like that. I learned from him. Um, and I'm thankful for that because I, I, I think that is something that a lot of people aren't necessarily privy to that, um, shows more of the backside of this country and how it's ran and how it operates and how it, how it works. Uh, instead of people just, um, going to the grocery store and buying a package of ground beef and not realizing what, uh, goes into that and what it takes to produce that package of meat and, um, and, and whatnot and, and all the work, whether it's fixing fence, fixing water lines, cause all the cows got to have water, you know, and, 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 um, so I learned a lot about that, and I learned a lot, a lot about physical labor and, and working hard, um, because he he never really had he never kept a job all that long, never had a solid career, um, but he would go out in there, he would go out, and he would put a solid day's work in, uh, for sure, and um, he, him and my grandpa both, and my stepdad uh, have all have all taught me that. And, and it's something that I struggled with as a teenager and you know, a lot out of high school because I think almost everybody does at that age. Um, but since I've grown into the dad and the man that I am now, uh, work ethic is definitely something that um, is important to me and that all three of the father figures in my life have um, have instilled in me for sure. Has um, that relationship
0: gonna... with your with your dad... How did it change as you got older? Did it, did the, the so I guess it's kind of a multi part question. So, the, the, the arrangement that, that your parents had as far as your visitation with your dad, did that change as you got older? And did you notice any changes within your relationship with him? Or is that something that didn't change until later in
1: life? It changed dramatically. Um, we moved away from Tier C uh, when I was in the seventh grade, between seventh and eighth grade um, that summer. And uh, because I moved farther away from where my biological dad is, uh, visits got a little harder to do. Um, but for eighth grade, I pretty much went down there uh, just like I normally did. Um, but when high school came, um, my freshman year, I was at a private school in, in Albuquerque. Um, I didn't do well there. It was a rough year. I don't think I went to my dad's very often at all. And then when I moved after my freshman year, we moved to Cuba. Uh, which is even farther away from Tularosa, and in high school, you get. I, I was uh, a two two sport athlete. Um, uh, I my my stepdad um, is an outfitter, so he guides hunters. Um, and at the time when I was in high school, he had his only elk hunting camp was up in the Hamis, which is it was like a thirty minute drive from Cuba. So for the fall, I was helping him after school and on the weekends at hunting camp. In the winter, I was playing basketball. In the spring, I was playing baseball. So there wasn't a lot of time to go, to go see him, especially when it was such a long trip now that we lived up in the northern part of the state. So from sophomore year until my graduation day, I did not see my dad. Uh, and I very rarely talk to him. And in fact, my graduation day, he called me Well, the day before I graduated. He called me, uh, cause I did send him an invitation cause he's my dad. Um, he called me and said, uh, they were in Bernalillo. They would be there in about an hour and wanted to have dinner. And I was like, Oh, okay. I didn't even know you were coming. I didn't, I'm sure. Yeah, let's do it. And then he said that one of my uncles on his side of the family, and my cousins were already there at a hotel in Cuba. So uh, they made it to my graduation, which was really nice. Um, and then after I graduated, there was some time there where I didn't have a job and I wasn't going to school. Um, I think it was around August, September of the year after I graduated. And I actually went down and, and worked with him for a little bit and, and kind of reconnected a little bit. And then um fast forward to now basically um when me and my wife got married, I was trying to get a hold of them to send him an invitation. So I was contacting my stepmom um who they had been together the whole time that I knew my dad. And my I couldn't get a hold of my stepmom. I didn't have her number, so I called one of my step nieces and I think I was texting her actually or messaging her on Facebook or something. And she was like, yeah, we're just trying to get through what happened with your dad and stuff. And I was like, um, what happened with my dad? Uh, well, it turned out he wasn't with her anymore. Wasn't there anymore at all. And um, had run off with uh, another woman to over by TRC and was running a ranch over there. And it had happened about three months ago. Uh, or three months before what I, when I had talked to my niece and I had no idea. I had no clue. Um, so I invited him to the, I invited my stepmom and my stepsister and her family to the wedding and they came and uh, about a week before the wedding, my dad called and said, uh, Hey, um, like to come to the wedding. Is that okay? And I said, well, uh, Jackie and, And Geraldine and them are going to be there. So if you can be civil, then yeah, by all means, come. And he said, well, I guess I'll better wait. And I was like, well, I'm glad to see that uh, my wedding uh, isn't a reason for you to act civil. Um, So he didn't come. He did catch up with us after the honeymoon. After we went on our honeymoon, he came to Berlin and we had lunch and hung out. And he met my wife. and we have been married for five years now, four years now. Um, I'm usually pretty good at remembering these things, but the last five months have been crazy. So uh, I can't fully remember. I think it's four years. Um, but we've been married, yeah, it's four years because Zeke is three. So we've been married four years, and um, I have seen him twice since I've been married, including the time that he came after, right after the honeymoon, Um, And the other time, his brother's wife had passed away, so we went to Fort Sumner for the funeral. And as we were leaving at 9 o'clock that night, he showed up and met my oldest son for the first time. Um, And it's the only time that he has seen him um, since then. Actually, and I take that back, I've seen him three times since I got married because he was at one of my cousin's weddings that me and Allie went to when we were pregnant with Zeke. So um, he... He doesn't really make an effort, and I've got to the point where I'm like, I I love you. I love him. Um, He's he's my dad. I can't change that, and I don't want to change that. Um, but I'm kind of done making efforts to meet up with him and see him and introduce him to the family. Um, one thing I will say is that we are moving to Fort Sumner, which is where his family is, because that is my dad's side of the family that lives there. Uh, that we know and that we've gone and hung out with and that we're um, friends with down there. And I expect that means I will run into him at least a little bit more. But at the same time, a lot of my—that side of the family says they don't hear or see him either. So um, that's my relationship with my biological dad anyways. And for me, it's it's really kind of a three-prong— um, story uh, with family or with with uh, father figures because my mother's dad, uh, my grandpa, um, because of my dad being in and out and then my mom not finding my stepdad until I was in middle school, um, my grandpa and me were very, very close, very close. Uh, he taught me a lot about working on cars. He taught me a lot about patience and, and understanding. Um, And he was the, he was my father figure, even uh, after my stepdad came into the picture for the longest time until my grandpa passed away um, in 2010, 2011. Now I can't remember. But um, so he was really close and he taught me a lot. And, um, uh, I miss him every day. It's his cabin that we go to uh, down by Daddle. His ashes are buried there. Um, and and he mean, he still means a lot to me and, and will always be, mean a lot to me. Um, and then my stepdad, he came into the picture between 7th and 8th grade when we moved from Tier C back up here. Um, which, looking back, it doesn't feel like that long at all. Uh, time has kind of flown by, and like I mentioned at the beginning of this, um, they are in the process of getting a divorce, and uh, it, it sucks. It does. Um, but sitting down and talking with my mom about it and having a couple brief conversations with my stepdad about it, um, my relationship with either of them isn't going to change hardly at all. Um, we will still go see them we'll still hang out with them. Uh, he's still gonna be grandpa to my sons um, and he will always be and will um, that' that will never change uh, which is is good I'm, I'm happy that that is the case because he is a he is a role model that um, I looked up to that I still look up to that I go to with problems um, that I hope my my sons can go to. Uh, with problems and um, he is the one that um, will carry the torch of grandpa and dad um, from now on since my grandpa is gone and my biological dad is is MIA for the most part
0: you brought up a a few well more than a few things there that I kind of want to go back and touch on a few of them if if, you know if you don't mind Um, so you've mentioned that your biological dad was not necessarily in the picture a whole lot, either when you were growing up or, or even now, Um, was there anything positive that you took away from that relationship with him or that you've, you've taken from that? Um, I mean, you mentioned not wanting to, you know, let your, let your own kids down. Um, It's kind of like a, I would say it's more of like a, a lesson learned and something that you don't want to repeat. But is there something that he was there for, your, there for you, or taught you that you took away from that relationship and are
1: like implementing in your life now? On a positive note, not really. Um, no. Looking at it, uh, I've done a lot of searching to try to see if there was something that um, that I felt that way about, uh, especially recently, um, and none of none of my life lessons or like hard times like like he was there through a little bit of middle school which middle school is a tough time um, so he was there a little bit through that um but uh, I, not necessarily a lesson or anything like that but I even even with him being uh, distant and and whatnot even now, um, I know he loves me, and I know that he cares about me and cares about my family. Um, I know that it's just hard for him to show it, to voice it, to act on it, um, because mm-hmm. when we have met in person, I can see it, I can feel it, I can hear it in his voice, um, and and um, I I cling sometimes it's worse because I cling on to that and think things are going to change because I can hear it in his voice that he really cares and this and the other. Um, But I think growing up, it's just, I've noticed that he, he, he just, he struggles with it. That's, that's, he just, he, he doesn't know how to show it and voice it and, and whatnot. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, and right now he is on a ranch, which having worked on ranches with him before, I know is it's a lot. It's a lot of work. And he's not a spring chicken. He's 10 years older than my mom. So he's like 63, I think. Um, So he's getting up there. And uh, so that I I understand it at least a little bit. So one thing that I can kind of take from that um, that's at least half positive is um, I want my boys to hear that in their voice. And in my voice and and my um, my actions is is not. I want them to hear it all the time, since I'm going to be in their lives all the time, um, and not uh, coming and going like he was. But one thing that I do want to um, have them notice is my genuine care and love for them, just in a normal hey how are you today conversation uh, especially when they're older um and he did a lot of things for me when I was little he I had a horse when I was little um he taught me how to ride he 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 did a lot of small things for me but he would like you think like the major life changes and life events and stuff like that that you go through uh, he has not been there for me he has not offered me any advice he has, he has not done anything like that. Um so yeah, that i I wish there was something that I could go to and be like, Yes, he taught me this valuable lesson, uh, and there might be something that I'm glossing over, but at the moment there's i I just can't I can't think of anything,
0: so it sounds like even though you had your grandpa there, not having your dad, do you you've kind of felt like you missed out is no, would that be sure. accurate?
1: yeah, for sure, I think. I think any, any little boy, especially um, that grows up without a dad uh, is there's, there's something, there's something in us that craves that attention uh, from a male that's older than us, um, that, that can teach us stuff that that uh, can show us ways to do things and that can um, be an example of what to do and what not to do. Um, because to be honest, there's things that my stepdad has done that has taught me a reverse lesson as in it's, hey, don't do this. Um, so I, th- I think everybody craves that uh, that connection with anybody it's i see it a lot in in kids at church um in our particular church there's a handful of single mothers that um that their kids have have um taken a shine to a male role model in the church whether it's me or uh or or somebody else in the church they have they've wanted that male attention it it it's something that just i think in the deepest parts of our soul it's something that we crave and it, and if you look at it it's because it's meant to it's meant we're meant to have that that is we are supposed to have that we are supposed to be a species that um mates for life um and has that relationship uh with a mother and father forever um at least in my opinion and and i think that is proven through the fact that your offspring want that relationship with a male role model such as a father and that it's needed to promote healthy lives and it's something that i i for one um, do feel like I missed out on a little bit, even though I had other father figures, it's just not not the same. Um, I will say that that does not mean that I wish my parents stayed together uh, because sometimes that is just not the right course of action um, because I think my life would be dramatically different had they just stayed together and they wouldn't have been happy and therefore I wouldn't have been happy and I would have seen bad relationships I would have seen a bad relationship in my life and not know what a good relationship looked like. Um, So I'm happy that they divorced. I'm happy they divorced when I was as young as I was. And um, I just wish he would have made more of an effort, uh, especially in my um, younger adult years and adult years, to stay connected and stay informed and and stay uh, in touch with me.
0: You mentioned that your stepdad didn't come into your life until later on you know, in middle school. How? How did your mom go about introducing you to him? And do you do you recall what your feelings were at the time? And how long did it take for you to to develop a, like develop a relationship with him? Develop that, um, yeah, develop that relationship with him.
1: Well, she. So I was. In seventh grade, uh, like I said, when he came into the picture. I met him because he helped us move uh, from Tier C up to Las Lunas and my mom introduced him as the guy that she was seeing or date. I don't remember exactly how it was. Um, but <laughs> you are a lot of kids, or at least I heard some kids and uh, talk about if they were in a single mother if their mom or if if they were it was a single mother house and, um, you know, the single mother would have boyfriends and they would, uh, at first they would get attached to them real quick and then they would be gone and a new one would come in and then they would be gone and a new one would come in uh, and you would stop getting attached to them quickly uh, because you knew that they weren't going to stick around very much. Uh, I never had that. I never had that feeling of, of not, not attaching to them too quickly because uh, there were a handful before my stepdad um, that came and went and um, but with my stepdad I still uh, feel like we attached fairly quickly. We didn't, he, my mom, it was different with him I, I remember a little bit because he, my mom didn't bring him around as much to begin with. Uh, she was a little more cautious with it and a little more distant with it and then slowly started to bring him around. Um, but, and I'm, it might be just colored uh, by the fact that me and him have such a good relationship now. Um, but I feel like we've had a pretty good relationship the whole time. Um, I, I know that there were times when he didn't know what to do with me because, you know, he, he came into the picture when I was in seventh grade. So you, you go, your body goes through a lot of changes you get moody, you get, uh, crazy. Uh, so we had to deal with a lot of that, uh, to begin with. And that, uh, I'm sure couldn't have been easy. Um, but he stuck with it. Uh, one, one, um, memory that comes to mind that, uh, really, really says a lot about how who my stepdad is and, um, how he handles situations and how I hope to handle some situations, uh, in the, in the future Um, it was my senior year. I'm pretty sure. Um, he was staying the night or he was, he was at the house for a few days, um, in between hunts and we had the County fair, uh, up in Cuba. And I told him I was going to the County fair during the day. Um, I think my curfew was midnight if I want to, I'm pretty sure it was midnight. Um, I got there, we were at the rodeo, we were hanging out. Um, Before we went to go to the dance that night, um, we had some alcohol. Um, And then we ran into people that had more alcohol. And then um, ended up, we were going back and forth from the dance to a little circle of tents uh, where the alcohol was and we were just hanging out and partying on. And um, long story short, the cops showed up and we got in trouble. And about one thirty, almost two o'clock, somewhere in there, so an hour and a half to two hours past my curfew, my phone rings, and it's my mom. And uh, he, they, I tell her what's going on, because at that point I'm um, zip tied, and um, they're writing all of us tickets and having us call our parents anyways. So I told her what was going on. Um, they came and got me. I had the car there and I couldn't drive. So they both came to get me and um, they got there. And my mom, she, uh, she, she, wasn't freaking out too bad either. Um, but she was upset obviously because who wouldn't be in that situation. And I rode home with Bob uh, because my mom was way more upset than Bob was. And um, Bob, we, we stayed pretty quiet um, throughout the whole thing and, and he just had a very calm and collected, demeanor about him. Uh, I could tell he was upset, obviously, but, um, he was just very patient with me and very, um, like I said, calm and, and didn't get, didn't overstep his bounds as a stepfather, uh, with berating me and punishing me and yelling at me and stuff like that. But you could tell that he was upset and disappointed. And that, um, Disappointment is always going to affect me more than anger Um, when it it came to my younger years. And even now, um, if I were to piss off my mom versus let my mom down in any way, shape or form, um, I'm going to feel way worse about letting her down uh, than I would making her upset. So he just – my stepdad was always – he was there for me. He – with relationships with girls, I would go to him with questions, uh, um, life advice as far as careers and jobs and uh, what to do in these situations. He was always there, and he was always really good with it. And um, he he just was – from the get-go, I connected with him fairly well. He He's – He he was just a really easy guy to get along with on a guy basis, just guys being guys. Um, But he was also good for me um, as a father figure. You said that you felt like
0: maybe he didn't know how to handle you at times. I don't know if we've mentioned this before, but um, did he have kids from a previous relationship before he met your mom or... Was, or were you got or were you like, or once he, or once he came into your life, was that his first interaction with like a
1: kid? So he had, as far as I remember, and as far as I know, his ex-wife, uh, that he had, uh, before my mom had kids of her own. They were not, um, they were not my stepdad's kids. Okay. Uh, she had kids going into it. So he dealt with teenagers before, um, I think me in teenage years versus them at teenage years were quite a bit different. Cause I wasn't as crazy as some kids can get. Um, so, but I don't think he really dealt with them all that much. I think he was in that situation. I think he was way more hands off than he was with me and he was fairly hands off with me. Uh, but I think he was even more hands off with them. So for the most part i would say that i was his first real interaction with kids yeah
0: do you think that his approach to it was was something that your mom and he decided on together or that that's just an approach he decided to take and do you think it benefited your relationship with him in the long run
1: you know I, i i've never thought uh to figure out if him and my mom um talked about things and uh and and kind of came to the conclusion of how they were going to ha- how they wanted Bob to handle me um but i knowing what i know now just in his his personality and stuff i think it's just more his personality and his way of doing things uh that it ended up being i don't think it was anything like yeah you're going to be hands-off, but not too hands-off type... Because it's really hard to quantify that um, when you're just having a discussion about it. So I I think he was more just... uh, It's just his personality of being laid back and quiet and calm and only speaking when he really needs to. And I think that's just who he is as a person anyways. And um, I I do think that that way him being that way when I was growing up in my formative teenage years helped uh, my relationship with him now. Um, And he built, we built a trust up in that time because I would go to him with things that I didn't want to go to with my mom. Um, At least at the time, my mom knows everything now because she, I think mothers just know everything all the time anyways, um, even if we don't realize it. Um, So I think, uh, I think that in the long run, my relationship with him now greatly benefited from how he was when I was a teenager.
0: What would you say are some of the biggest things you've taken away from your relationship with him that, you know, similar to what we asked earlier, that you apply to your life now that you apply to your relationship with with your kids or that you're looking forward to incorporating
1: into your life with, with your kids? Um. Patience. He's a very, very patient man. Um, And seeing him demonstrate that all the time um, is something that I try to do. Uh, Now, to be fair, his patience never was tested with a three-year-old and a Um, (laughs) one-year-old. So I imagine it would be a little less he'd be a little less patient with them than he was with me as a teenager. Um, But I I do hope that when I'm a teenager that, um, or when my boys are teenagers, that I can be patient with them, whether it's teaching them a skill, um, uh, driving a car, fishing, anything like that. Let me tell you a quick side story here about Bob's patience. Uh, We went on a trip to Wyoming one time and we went fishing. Um, And my mom decided that she wanted to use an open reel. So if you fish, um, if you see the little kid poles, you know that there's a little button that they push and then when they throw it, you let that button go and that releases it and it can go. Well, with an open reel, there's no button. Um, It's got a little flap on it that you flip open and that releases the line and lets it, f- lets it go. So you have to hold that with your finger and then when you release it, when you go to cast, you let go of your finger and that releases the line at the right time and you get your line out there in the water. Um, well, my mom decided that she wanted to do this instead of using the push button one or we were trying to teach her how to use it. I don't remember exactly what led to it, Uh, The bottom line is she used it. And every other cast, there was a thousand knots in this line. And instead of just saying, you know what, here, use this push button one, or what I would do, which is find the last knot, cut the line there, throw the rest of the line away, and start all over again. My stepdad would sit there every time, and undo every single knot and get it back to normal and then give it back to my mom. And two casts later, uh, it would be knotted up again and, and he would be untangling it. And we did this for one whole evening of fishing basically. Um, and he didn't say, he didn't lose his temper. He didn't do anything. He just, it's okay, I'll fix it. And he would fix it. And, and that is insane to me. Uh, so I will forever look at that example um, and want to mirror that not only in fishing but in anything else that I teach my boys um so that is is bullet point number 1 uh from him for sure and then uh and then his his work ethic um it he he owns his own business and to own your own business you have to not only have a good work ethic but you have to be self motivated and um he almost to a fault Uh, I think it's, it's part of what led to the divorce. Um, he, he just goes and when he doesn't go, he is, has a certain ways that he wants things done and the way he does things we have. So he, he owns, he owns the outfitting business and he manages that and runs it and keeps the books for it and does everything. He is, he's a one man band when it comes to that and it's very impressive to me. Um, because I've I've owned my own business when I had a bread route and delivered uh, bread to stores up in Rio Rancho. And um, I was terrible at it. Not the bread route part, but the business route part of it. Uh, keeping my taxes in line and everything like that. I'm, I wasn't good with it. Keeping my paperwork in line. I was never good with it. And he does all of it. And he stays in shape. He's in his 50s. And he can, even when I was in high school, And he was in his, so like when I was 20 and he was in his fifties instead of, or forties instead of fifties, uh, he could hike to the top of a hill and back and up to the top and back and up to the top and back before I could get to the top. Um, he's just a machine when it comes to the mountains. He's like a little billy goat, um, that just never stops. And, uh, um, all of that work ethic and self-motivation and, and drive to succeed, uh, is something that, um, I would like to implement in my life, uh, because it is a way that I will be able to provide for my kids and, um, and whatnot. So, so, and part of it is he's known what he's wanted to do since he was 12 and he's been outfitting or guiding hunters since he was 16. And it's what he's wanted to do his whole life. And, uh, he, he had a leg up on me there because I'm 31. I still don't know what I want to do um, for the most part. so But, yeah, the patience and the work ethic and self-motivation that I see from him are very inspiring and something that I would love to take into, uh, into my life.
0: Do you think, and, and this is going to be uh, my last question, um, do you think that societally – there's enough of an importance placed on the relationship with dads, or do you feel like that that's something that needs to be pushed more in the homes and within society in general, just stressing the importance of, of those
1: relationships? I think it depends on who you ask and where you're looking at societally, society wise. Um, in the in the church circles, which, um we are a part of uh it is it's it's pushed pretty hard that um the father is the man of the house and and that he needs to be around and he needs to be active and he needs to be a good role model and um and and i think that there are aspects of that that um, are correct and there's aspects of it that are a little little out of whack to an extent um, when you look biblically, or not when you look biblically, but we'll tackle that on our other show. Um, but society as a whole, I think everybody knows it's important and knows that it's needed, but they don't always live their life that way and make decisions that way and and um i mean so me and you and my wife um all basically come from from divorces or in the case of my wife i don't know if her mom and biological dad were ever married officially um but from from relationships or from houses with father figures Uh, that are either unconventional or just not there. And I think you can grow up to be a great human being in both scenarios. Uh, So I guess in that sense, it's not as important. Um, But I I think there's pretty sure there's stats back there that back me up that if you come from a house with two parents, um, two active parents, uh, your chances of of succeeding in life are a lot better, um, and it's a narrative that gets pushed to an extent. Um, the problem that uh, the problem that I have answering these questions when it comes to societally and stuff like that is um, a lot of it's based on what the media wants you to wants you to believe at that particular time. So sometimes they push it uh, a lot, and sometimes they don't push it at all. And, uh, it just depends. So I think that, and I also think that there's sometimes when you can have a father figure in your life, that is a terrible role model. And because he's your father figure, whether he's your father or grandfather or uh, stepfather or mom's boyfriend or whatever, um, because he's in that position, you look up to him and you want to be like him to an extent. And if that person is, not the best role model, then you are going to be learning bad habits from him and, and learning things that you shouldn't be and acting ways that you shouldn't act. Um, so just, I think it's important as long as it's a healthy relationship between the parents and that the father figure is a good role model uh, and nowadays, it's it's so hard to say um, if that's the case. I, I I would like to think that it's not the case, but I think it's probably the case more often than not that your father figure isn't somebody that necessarily should be a father figure and a role model.
0: All right. Well, I mean, we've been going for uh, an hour and a half now. um I mean, and, 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 you know, we mentioned, you know, in our text before we even did the show and even at the top, like, we could probably talk about this for hours. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, there's still so many different ways that we could go with this. Um, is there anything that you want to close out on, on anything, you know, that we've talked on so far? or Is there anything else that you want to
1: bring up tonight? Um... I will say that no matter what relationship you have with your father, um, good or bad, uh, close or distant, um, fathers are important. Um, it's important to to be there for your kids and to be a role model for your kids, and. Um, to tie it into uh, our discussion at the top of the show, um, the way you act and the way you show your kids how to act and the way you handle race and racial issues in America and um, social injustices against anybody for that matter, whether it's because of your color or because of your sexual orientation or the if you're a boy or a girl, um, the way you handle those and the way you handle arguments with your wife um, or or their mother, if you're in a split relationship yourself and you have dual custody or whatever the case may be, the way you handle those situations um, are going to go a long way in how your kids handle those situations and and how they are brought up, especially if you are close with them. So we need to be role models for our kids um, in any way, shape, and form that we can, and we don't want them to pick up bad habits from us, even if, I mean, I, we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect at all. Um, I have my my shortcomings and and my flaws that that my sons see on a daily basis, almost, and um, the important thing is to make sure that the goods outweigh the bads um, and that, yeah, you might lose patience with them every once in a while, but in the long run, if you're yelling at them more than you're telling them that you love them, that's an issue. Um, and, and I'm, I'm thankful f- to have had three drastically different father figures in my life, but all father figures who love me and care about me and um and really do once what's best even if they are bad examples like my biological father of how to do it or um good examples like my grandpa and my stepdad are um it's just a very important thing to be present in your kids lives and um and also know that you know our generation of our father's generation is um it's a lot different than our generation and uh they come from a time that was was different in america so it's harder for them to maybe show what we are able to show to our kids because of how we were because of the time of uh the time of the world that we were raised in so give your dad a hug give your kids a hug um love everybody equally and uh, don't like the fact that there are some bad apples out there when it comes to this racial injustices that are um, doing some things that they shouldn't be doing. Don't let that change the fact that um, there is a problem in America and we need to do whatever we can to change it.
0: All right. I think that is a, I think that's a great note to uh, take us out on. Yeah. Um... Yeah. And, and, you know, I appreciate you you, you opening up and sharing all that with us tonight. And, you know, um, I think there's a lot that even I can learn from what you've talked about tonight. Uh, and anyone listening, uh, I there's a lot of good stuff in there for, for anyone listening as well. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, I think that's going to be it for tonight as far as this episode goes. Um we do want to get out uh, another episode again in two weeks. We'll, we'll just dub it part two uh, of, uh, of our dad relationships and that we'll, will, I'll leave it to you. You know, if you, you know, we'll talk about my relationship with my dad and, and, yeah, uh, and you can throw whatever questions you want
1: at me and. Yeah, that'll work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I definitely am curious to see how it, how it differs from mine and, and um. And, and what your your similarities are to mine as well just to see kind of how how uh, two people from opposite ends of the country can kind of have similar and similarities and differences that might surprise us might not because um, to be honest listeners i don't i don't know a whole lot about his story either so so i think we're we're in for another good episode uh, in a couple of weeks um Hopefully uh, it's not has it doesn't have to be um, prefaced with everything else that's going on in America first. Um, I know that we're not going to have a solution to everything by two weeks from now, uh, as far as the protests and stuff go, but um, hopefully things have calmed down enough and there's been a little bit of change that we can see um, and, and go from there. Uh, But I'm excited to, to, for part two next week and, and I'm sure I'll have some questions and and uh, it should be another good one from top to bottom, guys.
0: All right. Jacob, you want to take us out tonight?
1: Yeah. Um, as always, uh, catch us on social media. Uh, we got the Twitter. Uh, we still don't have the Facebook page because I'm a terrible human being again. Um, <laughs> uh, we got Instagram. Uh, you can email us, Seth at dadventuresmedia.com, Jacob at dadventuresmedia.com. Um, if you're a friend of mine or Seth's and, uh, you know us personally and you want to comment about something that was said tonight, since it was a pretty, pretty deep topic to show, um, just reach out to me, uh, in any way, shape or form that you can. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and then as always on the podcast, if you could rate and review us, um, that'll, that'll be great. Uh, that'll help us, uh, know what we're doing wrong, what we're doing right. And, uh, try to make the show better for you guys. Um, so until then, um, keep your heads up. Uh, we'll get through this COVID stuff. Uh, we'll get through the the social injustice stuff, and hopefully, with uh, progress and and better lives for everybody that are involved, um, shortly. <laughs>
0: Been listening to the Dad Ventures podcast, the bi weekly podcast about our lives as dads. All of our shows are recorded live from Albuquerque and Las Lunas, New Mexico, are written and produced by Seth Bidoff and Jacob Terrell, and are edited by Seth. Special thanks to Jeff2 on YouTube for the music you hear in every episode. All episodes are recorded and edited using CleanFeed and Audacity. All of our shows are proudly hosted on Pinecast.